1 Samuel 15, 1 to 16, 23. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your great love. Thank you for inspiring us to keep up your great goodness and mercy, Lord. Thank you for moving on our behalf, Lord God, like you do with this Jonathan and this next story, Lord. Thank you for giving us signs and wonders, Lord, and going before us, Lord God, and eliminating the enemy, eliminating Satan, defeated Satan by the blood of your, the Lamb. Hallelujah. We command you, Satan, get your hands off our health, off our finances. Get your hands off our gold, all our, off our sisters and mothers and brothers and daughters and wives. Get your hands off of our, our relatives and husbands and uncles and aunts. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare it so. Get out of here in Jesus' name. You've been defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's Lord over all these people. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. One day, Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of the people of Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalek nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telim. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the king knights, Move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Canaanites packed up and left. Then Saul slattered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalek king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goat and the cattle the fat calves and the lambs, everything. In fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument for himself. Huh. Then he went to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all that bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. 
And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goat, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions. And the Lord's commands, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now, please forgive my sins and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. And he who is of the glory of Israel will not lie. Nor will he change his mind, for he is not human, that he should change his mind. Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel finally agreed and went back with him, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring King Agag to me. Agag arrived full of hope, for he thought, Surely the worst is over, and I have been spared. But Samuel said, as your sword has killed the sons of many mothers, now your mother will be childless. And Samuel cut Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel went home to Ramah, and Saul returned to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel never went to meet with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him, and the Lord was sorry. He had ever made Saul king of Israel. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as the king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord, invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. 
When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not one of the Lord's has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea, but Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They were still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right, said Saul. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Paul sent messages to Jesse to say, Send me your son David the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubles Saul... David would play the harp, then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit will go away. All right, today's study, it's amazing. First thing is, the Lord would rather have obedience than sacrifice. Obedience to his word. 
You know, the obedience, he says, love one another, forgive one another, pray for one another. And remember, the Lord promises, I am with you. You pray for the task at hand because you have the skill of prayer. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering of the fat rhymes. Now you say, well, how, how can I obey and how can I submit? Well, the obedience is and the submission is thanking God for all your capers, mishaps, troubles, all your past sins and dumb stuff that you keep doing over and over again, wasting your time effortlessly, not producing what the Lord requires. Start praising Him and thanking Him like if it's a good thing. And God's power about the 8 to 12 failure will finally kick in and take care of that issue that keeps holding you back. Say, for instance, you don't like to read the Bible. So, and God says, you know, if you read my word, the word will set you free. The Lord says, labor not for those things that perish it, the things here on this earth, but labor for those that lead to eternal life. We labor. That's what we're doing right now. We're being obedient and we're laboring. Hallelujah. So let's... Amen. More to come. I'll have more information on this. It's incredible, incredible reading and teaching. The other one was, is that the power came upon David mightily. It says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Whew. Wouldn't we like to have the spirit of the Lord come upon us the mighty Spirit of the Lord come upon us mightily that we will continue to have great strength, great power, great accomplishments. Amen. It says that the Lord gives us power to get wealth and to establish His covenant. Amen. And that's our goal in life, to get great, great power so we can exercise the skills He's given us. The enthusiasm and the joy to bring others, make it attractive to others to come into the kingdom. Reading of the 365 Yearly Bible for May 13th. 1 Samuel chapter 14. One day, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts, but Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gilbia, around the pomegranate tree at Migran. Among Saul's men was Ahia, the priest, who was wearing the linen ephod. Ahia was the son of Ahitub, Ichad, Bud's brother. Ahitub was the son of Phineas and the grandson of Eli, the priest of the Lord, who had served as Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Seneh. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, 
and the one on the south was in front of Giba. Let's go across to see those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the youth replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then, said Jonathan. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, Look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then they shouted to Jonathan, Come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell back as Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them right and left. They killed about 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even outposts and raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Find out who isn't here, Saul ordered. And when they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Then Saul sh shouted to Ahia, Bring the ephod here. For all that time, Ahia was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while Saul was talking to the priest, the shouting and confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder. So Saul with, said to Ahia, Never mind. Let's get going. Then Saul and his 600 men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men who were hiding in the hills joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even out beyond Haven. Now the men of Israel were sworn on that day because Saul had made them take an oath, saying, Let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening, before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate a thing all day, even though they found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't even touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had been taken. But Jonathan had not heard his father's command, and he dipped a stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten it, he felt much better. But one of the men saw him and said, Your father made and the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That is why everyone is weary and faint. 
My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I have eaten this little bit of honey. If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how much more Philistines we could have killed. They chased and killed the Philistines all day from Michmash to Ahihalon, growing more and more faint. That evening, they rushed for the battle plunder and butchered the sheep, goats, and cattle and calves, but they ate them without draining the blood. Someone reported to Saul, Look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that still has the blood on it. That is very wrong, Saul said. Find a large stone and roll it over there. Then go out among the troops and tell them, Bring the cattle, sheep, and goats here to me. Kill them here and drain the blood before you eat them. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with the blood still in it. So that night, all the troops brought their animals and slaughtered them there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first of the altars he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His main replied, We'll do whatever you think is best. But the priest said, Let's ask God first. So Saul asked God, Should we go after the Philistines? Which help? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. Then Saul said to the leaders, Something's wrong. I want all my army commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. I vow by the name of the Lord who re rescued Israel that the sinner will surely die, even if it is my own son, Jonathan. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. Then Saul said, Jonathan and I will stand over here and all of you stand over there. And the people responded to Saul, whatever you think is best. Then Saul prayed, O Lord God of Israel, please show us who is guilty and who is innocent. Then they cast sacred lots, and Jonathan and Saul were chosen as the guilty ones, and the people were declared innocent. Then Saul said, Now cast lots again and choose between me and Jonathan. And Jonathan was shown to be the guilty one. Tell me what you have done, Saul demanded of Jonathan. I tasted a little honey, Jonathan admitted. It was only a little bit at the end of my stick. Does that deserve death? Yes, Jonathan, Saul said. You must die. May God strike me and even kill me if you do not die for this. But the people broke in and said to Saul, Jonathan has won this great victory for Israel. Should he die? Far from it. As surely as the Lord lives, not one hair on his head will be touched. For God helped him do a great deed today. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Then Saul called back the army from chasing the Philistine, and the Philistines returned home. Now when Saul had secured his grasp on the Israel's throne, he fought against his enemies in every direction, against Moab, Ammon, Edom, and the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines, and whoever he returned, he was victorious. 
he performed great deeds and conquerors, the Amalekites, saying, saving Israel from all of those who had plundered them. Saul's son included Jonathan, Ishbosheth, and Malkishauah. He also had two daughters, Medab was the older, and Micah. Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimas. The commander of Saul's army was Abner, the son of Saul's uncle. Saul, Saul's father Kish and Abner's father Ner were both sons of Abiel. The Israelites fought constantly with the Philistines throughout Saul's lifetime. So whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted him into his army. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's see what the commentary says on this one. Jonathan's faith and actions are a striking contrast to Saul's indecision. Jonathan takes action accompanied by one other soldier, <clears throat> but Saul waits surrounded by 600 men. Jonathan carefully plans his strategy and anticipates God's involvement. But Saul's questions God and hesitates, even as the Philistine scatter. <clears throat> Jonathan consults with the, the army armor bearer, but Saul threatens his men with an oath. Jonathan waits for a sign from his word, but Saul makes an makes an altar only as an afterthought. In summary, Jonathan keeps God in mind and acts with confidence, but Saul forgives God and fills with doubt. When we live by faith, trusting in a good God, we can follow his leading with confidence and expect his guidance with certainty. When we continually keep God's power always before us, we can easily boldly move forward in life. If your life is full with hesitation and indecision, what steps of faith can you take to express trust in God? As you do, stay attentive to God's leading and be ready to continue or change course accordingly. Enjoy the freedom of trusting and obeying the Lord. Amen and amen. <clears throat>